All right, we're on our reset series, and the big idea of this series has been that God, Christ, is able to reset your life no matter what's happened, no matter what's take place, no matter what you've experienced, Christ can reset it. Uh, we talked, uh, Jacob, the first week talked about uh, finances and, and, and our physical bodies, how if we trust the Lord, that we can be financially fit, physically fit, have good health, and God is able to reset that so that your mind and heart is up on him and he can do the work in you that's so good and so right. Last week we talked about restoring life as a whole, uh, shared uh, uh, part of Jackie's testimony on how God can do just that. Uh, take our life from ashes to beauty and, and uh, give us a headdress and a festive time in him, total restoration of life, family. The scripture goes on to even say that our children are blessed and all of us are called the blessed of the Lord when we trust him. And today I want to talk about resetting relationships, relationships that's been estranged, damaged, broken, or what we would call in disrepair. Not necessarily things where there may be sometimes tension in relationships with people always have, you know, people get feelings hurt and you work through those things. Those things usually you deal with through maturity, but I'm, I'm talking about relationships that's been estranged or damaged or broken and, and as of now doesn't see, seem to be any manner of repairing those. I was with a gentleman and was actually after I had prepared this and had no idea, I asked him about his son who I knew and he told me he hadn't spoke to his son in I think he said 16 or 17 years. Th those kind of estrangements uh, where even people go through divorce and then have no more uh, communication or I know family members. If certain family members are at, any, at an event, the other family members won't even show up people who won't come to certain churches because certain people go there. People won't come to CTC because I'm the pastor, but I got over that a long time ago. But, uh, but you know, those, those kinds of situations, uh, just broken relationships that were good, that were right, that were healthy, and they just got broken and never got fixed. And let me tell you what I've come to know in my life personally and experientially, that besides my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and being secure in him, relationships, healthy relationships rank very high. They're very important. They rank very high. You could go through seasons of your life where, where, where maybe things aren't going so well financially and even things may not be going well health-wise or career-wise. But when you got healthy relationships, you still can enjoy the goodness of life. And Jesus made that statement. He made that in Matthew 22. They asked him, what is the greatest commandment was the question that they asked him. And listen to what Jesus said. He said, teacher, they asked, teacher, what, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is dealing with relationships here, healthy relationships with God and people. First, of course, he is making the statement that the most healthiest relationship we should have is with God. That's primary. That's the first importance. And, and that, that comes about about us surrendering our life to the Lord, where we make a conscious statement that we're going to learn the word of God and we're going to learn how to live according to God's way, that we become a committed Christ follower, 
make that decision, then you do what, what Nate done this morning. You follow that up with water baptism and make that public statement that I've decided to follow Jesus. And we believe, and the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will come in your life and direct you and, and guide you. And that leads us more so. And, and anybody who's been serving the Lord for any length of time, I can assure you, you don't fall less in love with God. You fall more and more in love with him. Healthy relationship. And even in times of tough seasons when we got to walk through challenges and things, it's amazing how my love for God grows when it seems like I'm going through some of the most difficult times in my life because of his presence, because of his love, because of his outpouring. And Jesus said that's first and foremost is, is to love God. But then he said the second is, is others. And neighbors, we know neighbors to mean anyone that you have contact with is your neighbor. Your wife is your neighbor. Your husband is your neighbor. Your children is your neighbor. The people you live next door to is your neighbor. The people you sit in church with is your neighbor. But sadly, many, even like the gentleman I just told you about, many Christians have, have relationships that have, for some reason or another, have went awry, and they just seem to remain that way. And, and it, it, it causes hurt. You can't have that kind of damage and, 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 and not have hurt. Many Christian homes, of course, have been uh, broken up by divorce, and, and uh, many, many homes have become battlegrounds instead of places of loving refuge. And unfortunately, what it causes oftentimes is parents to be separated from children and children from parents. Even again, in church landscapes, people may go from church to church because of either evading relationships or running away from relationships, not because of doctrine or things that may be a reason to leave, but, and they leave just wakes of things behind. And that's not God's will for us. It's God's will for us to do everything we possibly can for relationships that have been estranged, that should be, in some sense, in a manner that's good. It's, it's Christ's desire for us to work through that. I, I do want to give a little disclaimer, and I think everybody here knows that, that healthy relationships are dependent on both parties, both parties. And it, it, takes two, it takes two to make that work. Here's a scripture that Paul really does help us in cases when someone believes they've done everything. He says, if possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you. But, but I want you to lean in here for a minute. I want you to lean in because we as Christians should not let this be the rule, but the exception. Did y'all hear me? That should be the exception. Whenever we have broken relationships that, that uh, we haven't put forth effort in, we, we, we don't want to just settle with by a default truth and says, well, I've done everything I can and it's not on me. You might get to that. You might get to that. But let that be the exception and not the rule. And I believe the Bible encourages some things that can, that can help us work through that and some things that I'm going to share today. I'm not going to talk long, not going to preach long, probably won't even break a sweat today, but I believe I'm going to say some things that's going to help you in your, if your life. Are you ready? Jacob read a verse this morning that really is the key. And there's a couple of times today I'm going to use the message that I don't normally do, but for clarity's sake and communication, I, I, think, I, uh, I think it'll work better. But listen to this verse. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. 
comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you all. The key line in that is aim for restoration. That's the goal. That's the objective. I titled this message, Fresh Start, because oftentimes working through those things will be just that. If you aim for restoration, things may, by God's grace, get mended in such a way that it is a, it's a fresh start. That's the bullseye. And exegetically, when you understand this word, it means complete. This, this word restoration means complete. It means restore. The Greek word katarizo means amending and a restoration. Now, I, I, I don't want to go into this too much, but there's a, there's, you may have a translation that actually uses the term maturity or completeness or perfect. Because what this, another meaning of this word or actually an emphasis of this basically talks about maturity. And, and let me tell you what Paul is saying about this. When we aim for restoration, it's an, it's an expression of our maturity in Christ. That's the goal. That's the, that's the bullseye is to, is to be mature in these kind of situations. And, that, and I'm going to talk about that. But the root meaning is mending or restoration, making something complete, making something whole, something that's been divided, making it united. It can be two pieces of cloth, or it can be two pieces of paper, or it can be two people. One way that it's used in the scriptures in Matthew 4, 21, when, when James and John and his father had come from fishing, and the scripture says they were mending their nets. That's the same Greek word, katariso, means restoring, mending, putting it back together. In each one of these cases, Whatever's not restored, whatever's not repaired, it's left less than perfect. It's left incomplete. And the whole sense, the whole aim is restoration. Let me read it to you out of the message. Listen to it this way. This is Paul again writing. He's wrapping up this. We call it 2 Corinthians, but it's actually the third letter to them. But he's wrapping it up, and he says, and that's about it, friends. Be cheerful. Then listen to this. Keep things in good repair. Keep your spirits up. Think in harmony. Be agreeable. Do all that and watch this promise. And the love of God and peace will be with you for sure. Now, this is what I know. I'm sure this is what you know, that repairing things has been a strange like that, that's out of disrepair, that's out of sort. If you've ever had to work through that, it can't be done on our best human effort. It, it just can't be done. When it comes to relationships with people like that, it's best done to start with God and his book. Not Facebook, his book. Start with God and his book and allow the Lord to do what Paul prays. And because this is what's needed, and this is actually verse number, number 14, because this is what Paul prayed. As he tells people to aim for restoration, listen to the prayer that he says would be with us as we do that. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's what's needed. And I want to look at that. I, I want you to turn to the book of Philemon. I hope you brought your Bible or you brought some kind of mechanism that you use uh, when you don't bring your Bible to church. But everybody needs to have something that they can read on. And so let me, let me but, but since I'm not sure... If you've read your Bible today, I'm going to read the whole chapter. That way you can leave and somebody say, how was church? Man, I read a whole chapter of the Bible today. 
I'm going to read the whole chapter for you. It may take a bit, but how many like the book? You just hang in there. I'll give my best reading voice. Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, Paul, prisoner for Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Acropus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort for your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be compulsion, but for your own free will. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he was wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you, Epaphras, a fellow prisoner of Christ Jesus, sends message to you. So do Mark, so do Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, and my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. This is a single letter, just a letter that Paul wrote to a gentleman by the name of Philemon, who actually lived in Colossians. The reason Paul wrote this letter to Philemon is Philemon had a slave by the name of Onesimus. Now, I'm not going to go into this too much, but understand this. In biblical culture, slavery was not like the same atrocities that African Americans have suffered in our country in previous years. It wasn't the same. As a matter of fact, now, that doesn't mean that some people didn't mistreat slaves, because some did. And if you read the New Testament, Paul addressed that. But slaves in that time could actually work their way to freedom. Many people became slaves by choice because they needed to be able to have some kind of assistance to take care of their family. They had freedom to come and go. As a matter of fact, they were more like what we would call uh, servants, uh, if you've been in cultures where they have servants, than they, were, than they were slaves as oftentimes we picture it. But Onesimus was one of Philemon's slaves. Now, the reason Paul wrote to Philemon is because he wanted to appeal to him on behalf of Onesimus. And this is what we know about Philemon. Philemon had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministry of Paul. It was through Paul either sharing his faith or preaching in some form of arena. 
that Philemon came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he does love me and he does love us and he loves the world and that he gave his life on a cross. He died for Philemon's sins and all of our sins. He was convinced that Jesus had done that for him and he surrendered his life. He became a child of God. He gave his life over to Jesus, became born again, followed the steps of water baptism, is living full with the Spirit, and has eternal life. Paul writes to him now about Onesimus because Onesimus was not a believer when he was a slave under Philemon. And somewhere in the process, either Onesimus was on one of those occasions where, where the, uh, the owner sends him on an errand, to do something in town or in a, one of the major cities and either Onesimus did not come back or he flat out stole from Philemon and he ran off. Somehow another or in the event, he must have committed another crime. If you look on any kind of map, you see where Col- Colossae is and Paul now is in Rome in prison and Onesimus ends up all the way in Rome. He had to take some shifts to do that. Well, possibly he could have went around, but somewhere down the line in his running away, living life, he must have committed another crime because he ended up in the same prison that Paul was in in Rome. While he's in prison in Rome, Paul does what Paul does, and he shares with Onesimus the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he's hearing the gospel message, as he's receiving this message of Christ, he accepts Jesus. He becomes a born-again believer just like his his, uh, master was, just like Philemon was. He becomes a born-again believer. Now, he's free in Christ Jesus. But here's something Paul knows. Here's something Onesimus knows. Philemon has no idea where Onesimus is. But this is what Onesimus knows. Even though I'm free in Christ Jesus, until I get this relationship right that I've broken, I'll live with my conscience still affected. Something about me won't be totally complete. I could go on living my life for Christ, but I'm leaving behind some damage that was done with the person that I was in a relationship with before. Paul knows that also Philemon needs to know that Onesimus has now become the person that he's become, that he is a believer and he wants to express his heart of what's doing right. So Paul writes this letter, he gives it to to Onesimus and says, go back to Colossae, go to Philemon. And you take him this letter. Now, I want you to understand something because Onesimus has not earned any kind of forgiveness from Philemon at all. He had done what he had done. He had stole. He had run away. He had done those things. It wasn't because of what Onesimus had earned. It wasn't even because of what Onesimus deserved. Paul says the reason why you want this relationship restored and the reason you want to restore it is because the same God that showed love to you is the same God that shown love to Onesimus. The same God that has shown you grace and forgiveness is the same God that's shown that to Onesimus. The same God that has brought him into the family of faith so that now instead of me looking at him as a slave, I now look him at as a brother. That's the same Holy Spirit, Philemon, that's worked into your life. Now, I hope y'all hearing me on this because that's the same thing that works in us with broken relationships. Because all of us have done things that don't deserve any kind of forgiveness whatsoever. 
Every one of us have violated trust and have broken relationships. But because the love of God, and, and let's not talk about the relationship that we violated with the God that created us. The God who gave us life, the God who's given us opportunity of goodness and abundance. It's that same God who forgave us that gives us the ability and the power and the strength and the spirit to forgive others that we may be in right relationship with people. Can you say amen? That's the heart of the believer. That's the purpose of what Paul was saying. Aim for restoration. What I'm proposing is what should be a practice in our life because of faith, because of the Spirit of God, because of the love of God. He helps us reset relationships. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 18. This is one out of the message. It says, all this comes from our God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle relationships with each other. That's the heart of the Lord. And that should be a practice for all of us in every relationship, whether it's, whether it's marriage, whether it be with, with children that's estranged, whether it be colleagues, whether it be friends, whether it be neighbors. You know as well as I do, if there's not a daily employment of God's love and grace and forgiveness that's working out in your life, every marriage could end uh, in, in divorce. Every marriage can. There has to be that pursuit of intimate fellowship and intimate commitment with Christ understanding the love of God and the grace of God. Otherwise, even if it doesn't end up in a broken relationship, it's tolerant at best. And, and that doesn't even speak about communication. I think all of us know men and women communicate differently, don't we? I ain't going to say whose fault it is. But men and women communicate differently. I was, I actually, when I was preparing this, I thought about a story that a guy told, and now he's from Louisiana, and I, I don't know if this story's true because people, preachers in Louisiana have a tendency to, to tell jokes about Cajun people. So, so I don't know if this is true, but he, he told the story of a, he said someone he knew that uh, the, the, the guy had just, he, him and his wife had just gotten married. They lived in New Orleans or Baton Rouge, uh, one of those areas. They'd just gotten married, and... Uh, in, in the marriage, she, she had a cat and her mom was also staying with her. And so, so obviously that when she came, here comes the cat, here comes mama. So, so, but she was an executive and she had to travel to Europe. And it was the first trip that she had done since they were married. So it was going to be the first time he had to take care of the cat and take care of the mom. So she lands in Rome and she calls and says um, she had to go from Rome to Paris to London, then to New York, and then home. She calls uh, when she gets to Rome, gets settled, et cetera, and calls and says, How's, how is everything? How are you? And then uh, and said, you know, told, her about the, told, her, told him about the flight and then said, how's the cat? And, she, and he said, um, uh, Jill, the cat died. Well, she screams, drops the phone. He can hear the emotion on the phone that she's just overwhelmed that the cat had died. And she picks up the phone. She's still sobbing and still crying. And, and she says, you know, I, I, I know you, you probably couldn't help it, but I, you can't tell me things that way. You, you can't just tell me that way. She said, you know what I would have rather you've done? I, I would have rather... When I called you here today in Rome, I, I would have rather you said, you know, they, they, the... 
uh, baby, everything's fine, the cat's on the roof. And, and then when I got to Paris, if you'd have said, you, you know, the cat's not on the roof anymore, but I see the cat in the tree. And, and then when I got to London, if you'd have said, you know, the cat fell out of the tree, but I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to get the cat to the vet. And then when I got to New York, you could have said, I've done everything I could, baby, but the cat died. I, I would have taken that a whole lot better. He says, I'm, she says, he said, I'm so sorry. You know, we'll learn how to handle this communication. I'm sorry that happened. And he, she said, no problem. We'll, we'll get it. And then she said, how's mama? <laughs> and there was a long silence. And then he said, mama's on the roof. <laughs> Well, I love that every time I think about it. Mama's on the roof. All right, so so we know men and women got communication differences. We we get that. But when it comes to relationships where there's hurt and, and distance and anger and disputes have caused just total disrepair or total estrangement, we need to show the love of God. We need to show the love that God has shown us. We need to offer grace. We need to offer forgiveness. Just like we've received from Christ, we need to have a commitment to intimate fellowship with one another as we've experienced with the Holy Spirit and and settle in our mind that less than healthy relationships that we can have any investment in should be unacceptable. And, and I believe that works in every arena. I, I, you know, all of us know, as I shared about the one gentleman, and, and many people here might have that same story. It, it happens with parents and children. Get, sometimes people have relationships with their children, well, or no relationship, and, and parents or children don't have a relationship with their parents, and it's just become estranged, and it's that way. God's heart for us is the aim for restoration. And it's going to take the love of God. It's going to take the grace of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take communion and fellowship of the Spirit. And, and so let me, let me uh, I'm just going to give you a few things and wrap, and wrap, this, wrap this up, actually, because I, I, I believe that there's some things that we can do, um, that we should do, that we can do, that may make this process a little bit easier. And, and the first one is this, along with having desire, and of course that is first, and I pray that I've gotten past that with you, that you, that you get what Jesus is saying or what the word is saying, that we aim for restoration. So I pray you got desire, but along with having desire, we take initiative. We take initiative. It, it may be on us if those are strange, maybe you haven't talked to the person in years, or every time you see them somewhere, you, you head out, or you may see them heading out when they, when they see you. It might be one of those things. I had to work through a relationship with a pastor friend of mine who we were friends for many years. And for four years, we didn't talk to each other. When we walked in the same room, we had to leave. But somebody had to be the big boy. Somebody had to be the big boy and say, hey, this shouldn't be. We, we, this shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. And this is what the scripture says. Jesus said, if you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave him immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Now, there's a whole lot more to that than just what I'm talking about here on the context of estrangement. But what I want you to see, though, is the heart of God concerning initiative, that we take that, that desire. Larry Stockstill uh, I'm not sh- I don't think he pastors anymore, but um, recently he talked about in one of the ARC meetings, he talked about having some, he lives in uh, 
place called Baker, Louisiana, small community, I believe. And he talked about some a Muslim uh, family that had moved right next door to him. And he said when they, first, when they first moved next door, just like he would want to, he tried to go talk to the neighbor, tried to build a relationship with the neighbor. And the, the neighbor basically told him he didn't want to have no relationship with him. And he doesn't need to come over here anymore. We're just not going to have a relationship. But Larry Stockstill went on to talk about, though, what began to happen. He said, first of all, they were the only Muslim family in Baker, Louisiana. And they, he built a big six-foot wall that covered his place like a compound. And then they surrounded the place with tires even on top of that. He said locals in the community got really concerned and told authorities. And he said that they would send helicopters and drones over the property because they were a little concerned on what could this be. This is the only Muslim family built this place like a compound. They've told everybody they don't want to have a relationship with anybody here in the community at all. So he said people got concerned. But you recall in August 2016, last year, was those floods again in Louisiana. And, and uh, Stockstill said, of course, they had to uh, prepare to evacuate but he says the neighbors, he was concerned about the neighbors evacuating also. So his sons went over to the neighbors in their boats and got these Muslim neighbors out of the house and got them to a safe place and they went off to wherever they went. They went and evacuated them out. He said they didn't come back for a while. Nobody knew where they were. Of course, they didn't have a relationship, so he had no idea. He said the grass got so high, he said we probably lost two children in that grass. It was so high said the grass got high, but he said he also knew something else had taken place with the floods, that there was going to be some damage in the house. So, so he said they went on over to the property, and they went, in, went, in, went on to the property, and they totally, absolutely replaced the man's air conditioner and replaced his hot water heater, fixed his lawnmower, and his sons went over there and cut the grass. The man came back to, to town, and he saw that his AC was working, and he knew it was a new one. Saw the hot, heater, hot water heater was new. Grass was cut. Lawnmower was fixed. So he went over to Larry and he says, do you know how all this got done? And he says, yeah, my, my sons went over there and did that. He said the man embraced him. He said, that's, that's, that's love that I've never experienced before in my life. He says, now, he says, he says, the tires have come down. The gates are wide open. Now the family waves and they have relationship with one another. And he went on to say, one of these days he'll be a deacon in the Baptist church. But, but, the, but, but, but the point is, they took initiative. They took initiative. They had desire and they took initiative. And, and we got to do the same thing. Here's the second thing. Whatever it was that built a good relationship, do it again. Aiming for a fresh start. There's a passage in Scripture and I, I can hardly sometimes read this verse without getting emotional. And it's, 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 it's when I was going through a rough time and uh, it was right when the, it must have been 2006, when everything started falling apart for the marriage. And I went to a counseling center and one of the counselors shared a verse with me that I know I've had to read it in the Bible. I knew I had to read it but it never spoke to me the way that it did that, that session. And it's in Hosea chapter two, and it talks about God's love for Israel. 
and that his relationship with Israel had completely come apart. As a matter of fact, you might remember reading some of the verses in Jeremiah where God spoke about divorcing Israel because of their backslidden and their rebelliousness and the things that they had done against him. But then this verse in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, and I believe it's in the New American Standard that uses a different word, but the Lord decided what he would do is once again, and, and this is the word that's used, that he would woo Israel back into love with him. Woo Israel back into love. That spoke to me because that's the kind of God we got. We got, a, we got that kind of God who does not leave things the way they are. Even when he has every right to, he can leave it that way. But he made a determination. He says, I know what brought Israel to love me before. I'm going to do the same thing. And, and I have it in the message and listen to this. He says, and now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her, talking about Israel. I'm taking her back into the wilderness where we had our first date. If you know the story of, of the nation of Israel, that's where God proclaimed to them that he was their God. It was in the wilderness where he told them, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And I'm going to raise you up to be a great nation. And from you is going to come great prophets. And from those great prophets is going to come the Messiah, the anointed one, who will represent me, who will show you my love. And it's in him that we'll have eternal life together. He says, I'm going to take them back to that place. That place where I convinced them of how much I love them. He says, I'm going to take them back to the wilderness where we had our first date and our quarter. And I'll give her bank, bank bouquets of roses. I'll turn heartbreak valley into acres of hope. She'll respond like she did as a young girl those days when she was fresh out of Egypt. That's an amazing passage. You can use that in so many relationship settings. So many relationship settings just wooing them back into a fresh start. And here's, here's the last thing, and we'll close with this. We have to maintain the attitude of Christ. We have to maintain the attitude of Christ. It's our heart's desire for relationships to be healthy. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. I'm going to have you stand for a moment. We're going to wrap this thing up. Can I just do something that I don't usually do? Did you get anything out of that today? How many can say they got something out of it? Now let me, let me, let me say this. With all of the talk about a strange relationship, and prayer people, will you come? Because we do want to take a moment here for prayer. We won't hold everybody up, but I, I want to have an opportunity for people who do want to pray do you know the the estrangement listen as as the scripture says there's some relationships that may never be made right again as much as what lies within you and honestly you can live life and you can have the joy and the peace of the lord when you've done all you can and you can go right on into eternity but do you know there's one estrangement that leads to death? There's one estrangement that there is no forgiveness for. There is no overlooking. 
There is no overcoming. There's no way out of it. And that's being estranged from the almighty God. That one leads to death. That's one that you cannot leave undone. It leads to death. And you might be here today and you might be one of those ones that have not come to that place where you have a full acceptance of God Almighty. Now, you're not here by accident. You, you're here for a reason. Even if somebody dragged you, you know, I'm a firm believer. Sometimes you just got to knock people in the head, knock them out, roll them in the car, and then roll them out when they get to church. I'm, I'm a believer of that. So you might have got here like that. But it doesn't matter how you got here. You're not here by accident. And the message that you needed to hear, besides what God wants us to do to one another, is that he wants you to love him like he loves you. That's the real message. That's the heart of it. And you might be one that's here today and haven't made that confession of faith. We're going to pray for, for you. We're going to pray for everyone that might be in that situation. And then I'm going to pray for, matter of fact, let me pray for this first. Maybe there may be, if with eyes closed, just a moment, eyes closed, head bowed. There may be some of you who, who can be honest and say, while you were talking, there is a relationship that's estranged that I know I need to get right. I want it to be right. Maybe you one that done all you can, but, but you think maybe, maybe I can just give it one more shot. Uh, n- nobody's looking but me. If that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. That's right. Good, 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 good. Father, I, I appreciate these dear people who have the courage and honesty to say, man, that's, that's me. I don't want that relationship to stay the way it is. I pray that you give them desire, which I believe they have. Give them the ability to, do, to initiate it. And Father, I pray that they do it with the love of God, which may, it may be some patience along the way, but the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the desire of having intimate fellowship in the Holy Spirit. Anoint them to do it. Give them opportunity to do it. Father, just bless them and surprise them on how you get this done. And I'm listening, looking forward to hearing the testimony of you bringing relationships back together in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed and eyes closed for just a minute. If you're here and you say, you know, my biggest estrangement, which I know today, is that I'm separated from God and you want to just make a commitment of faith. You want to, we'll pray for you where you are. You just said, man, I, I want a right relationship with the Lord God Almighty. He loves me. He's forgiven me. I want a relationship with him. If you'll just raise your hand, I want to pray with you. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you, young man. Bless you guys. God bless you. I want a right relationship with him. Anybody else? God bless you, man. Anybody? God bless you back there. Thank you. God bless you. Listen, we're going to all pray this. We're going to pray this. I'm going to pray. Everybody pray along with me. Father, I thank you that you've given us an opportunity to have a relationship with you. And Lord God, these young men, uh, these dear people, Lord God, have acknowledged that they want that relationship. I pray, Lord God, as they seek you, as they cry, cry out, that they be united with you in Christ that they become born again as they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, that they recognize that you have died for their sins, that you've forgiven them, and today is a fresh start for their life, a new relationship with you, a new relationship with you. So, Father, we grant it. We trust, Lord God, that they will move from this to baptism, publicly acknowledging that you're the Lord Jesus Christ of their life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you that raise your hand, I want to follow up with you. You can pull out a connect card. Just write your name, information, check off. You committed your life to Christ today. 
believe me, we will follow up with you and take you to the next step. If you have done that and haven't been baptized, mark that on the card and we will follow up with you. All right, you're going to have a great day today. Let me pray you out of here. Altars are open if you want to come and pray. The team will take us out with the worship song, but you can come up and pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love and our time together. Be glorified in us. In Jesus' name, may the people of God say amen.